0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host Anthony Pagnotta with you guys as always. And today, look back at Carolina's loss to Florida State. Yes, believe it or not, Mac Brown now 0-10 against his alma mater. This time falling to a 1-4 Florida State team that is frankly one of the worst teams Uh, in the ACC, and maybe one of the worst teams in all of the Power Five, uh, virtually eliminating the Tar Heels from the coastal race. We're going to run through, take a look at the box score. Uh, We'll also talk about some of the major storylines that come out of this. There's a lot to dive into with this. And at the end, we will hand out our player of the game, as we always do before, of course, uh, sort of turning our focus towards uh, the last game before Carolina's Basically, midseason break. This is officially the midseason point. Uh, by Wednesday, it will be the midseason point. Uh, but they are going to play that game against Miami. Then they'll have the bye week. So, what we're going to do here on the podcast as well as over on the website uh, normally, midseason grades would come out this week because it's right in the middle of the season. We'll put that off just uh, you know, a week just so that you can get that game against Miami and they'll hit that bye. Feels like that's pretty appropriate to them. put that there. So that's how that's going to end up working. But uh, we'll get you prepared uh, for all of that. And, of course, on Wednesday we'll also take a look ahead uh, to a game against another team that's frankly a a disappointment so far this season in the ACC and nationally uh, against the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, We will drop one note at the end of the show that does pertain to that game against Miami it does involve one of their players uh, so you'll want to stick around for that as well but uh, let's dive into this game against Florida State uh, you know again we were there uh, I, I, it's, it's another one of those ones very similar to Georgia Tech where you just really don't know where to begin because to be real honest with you Most of it isn't even explicable. You cannot really explain how a team that had this big of expectations coming into the season, had this much promise, and still had this much talent on the roster, could fall to probably one of the three worst teams in the ACC. And Carolina now has two losses to probably two of the three worst teams in the conference this season. Um, I, I think the other one would probably be Duke. Maybe you could throw Syracuse into the conversation. Maybe, but I don't know. They gave Wake Forest a pretty good run. Either way, these are two losses that Carolina simply cannot have um, and should not have. And uh, it, it's something that, I mean, you just you thought the most disappointing part of this is that you thought that these were struggles, the way they looked the other day, are struggles that were really just issues on the road. You were saying, okay, we at least got the fact that we're good at home, we handle our business at home. net we'll, All we have to do is figure out how to start winning some of these games on the road. Now these issues are starting to show up at home. Nothing is guaranteed. And right now, especially with the back half of the schedule that Carolina has, this looks like this could get out of hand very quickly if Carolina does not find a way to steady themselves and right in the ship.
1: Uh, Saturday was a great representation of Carolina football in a nutshell. Um, This is who the Tar Heels have been for the majority of their existence as a football program. Um, The inability to live up to expectations after an offseason of hype unlike no other. Um, And, and, you know, we talked about after the Virginia Tech loss, but more so the Georgia Tech loss and now this loss to Florida State. This is a culture issue. It's not – because it's happened under a myriad of different coaches, from Mac Brown 1.0 to Butch Davis, Larry Fedora, and now Mac Brown 2.0, um, and there's really no way to explain it other than the fact that Carolina got outcoached, they got outplayed, and and it and the score wasn't even indicative of how different, how much of a margin of, of victory this game should have been. You entered the game as 17-and-a-half-point favorites on your home field yep. against a bottom-tier team in your conference. And you were down by 18 in the fourth quarter. Would have lost by 18 if not for a garbage touchdown. Um, and that's just, frankly, inexcusable. And it's something that shouldn't happen in year three. Year one probably wouldn't have freaked out too bad because you're establishing your, your, your culture trying to build the program. If it happened well, – I mean, it did happen last year, except it happened on the road. But it was – And they
0: still came back and had a chance to win that
1: game. It this was game, a, they were dominating. Yeah, it was a COVID – you know, you, you had COVID as the excuse. There's no excuses this year. And I feel like every time we get to a point where something goes wrong, people want to make excuses for why this happened or why that happened. They're not a good football team. And you can't argue – trying to say they are because the proof is in the pudding and they aren't very good. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think that there are definitely
0: some issues that were probably overlooked in in large part because, you know, the coaching staff in the offseason expressed a a lot of positivity about the team as well. And look, maybe they thought some of these guys were going to be better than they were. I think what we're finding out is that, yeah, maybe there were some guys offensively that looked pretty good, but it was against the secondary that, isn't really all that good, or your offensive line looked a little bit better or close to what they were last year, Um, but you found out that your defensive line is not nearly as consistent as you probably need them to be. Those are the things that I think you've got to look at and, and really sort of reassess what you had in the preseason. And look, I had plenty of people that were telling me I didn't have these expectations in the preseason. That's bull. I don't care what you say. There is nobody that I saw in the preseason that was that that re- referred to themselves as a Toriel fan that said this season. Well, this team's probably going to take a little bit of a step back because of what they lost. This team is probably going to be somewhere around where they were. Last year, maybe an eight and four football team with everything that they lost. I didn't see anybody that said that. Am I wrong? I no. Did, I, I mean, there were people trying to tell me, "Oh, well, you know, I wasn't buying into the media hype lines."
1: BS. B.S. The, BS. Those same people were the same people that got pissed off at me for making a legitimate argument that is proving to be more legitimate that Mac Brown is not as an elite head coach as we believe him to be. And when I went on record saying this was a nine and three football team, those same people said people blasting me and saying not a true Tar Heel fan, hater, whatnot. So don't listen to that. I mean look, I, I was a guy that, that put Mac Brown up
0: in that top ten of coaches in college football. He ain't. Right now, definitely not looking like that. But here's the thing. I, I still I mean, I still believe that he is a damn good football coach. He's proven that in the past. I think even now you know, with with how quickly he got Carolina to where they were, it's good. Now this year, he's got it. We we got to see where this where this ends up finishing out because that that will definitely change the opinion just a little bit. It's not. I'm not going to get to the point where I'm saying, look, Mac Brown's a terrible football coach or anything like that. But I'm also willing to admit, I had this team at 11 and one in the preseason. I legitimately thought that this team, especially with this schedule, was going to be able to have success. They have gone through the easy part of their schedule, and they are 3-3. and With losses to a Georgia Tech program that is stagnant at best, more than likely Jeff Collins will not be their head coach much longer. I love Jeff Collins. I think Jeff Collins has a chance to be a really good coach, but I think he's going to be a scapegoat that's going to end up getting fired because they are trying to change from the system that they ran for so long under Paul Johnson, and they just won't have the success that they need to. Because I'm not seeing anything that's telling me that team is going to start winning games consistently. They almost lost the other day to Duke. Uh, And then Florida State, that's a literal dumpster fire. There are people there that want Mike Norvell fired, and they want Deion Sanders there, and it has barely... It has not even been a year and a half under him. Things are not good there, and you lost to that team. That's a that's a problem. It doesn't matter what expectations you had for this team. There is no way that you came into the season with expectations that they were going to lose to a Georgia Tech team that looks the way that they have so far this season and a Florida State team that came in 1-4 and four with a loss to Jacksonville State. I'm sorry. Nobody had that on their bingo card. And if you did and you're still okay with this season, then you're part of the issue because you're just going to accept that "Ah, this program really isn't going to be all that great. If you want this program to start winning more with the talent that they have the way they should be winning, then you can't just sit here and say, well, you know, we'll find a way to straighten this out. You can be angry and want more results. I'm not saying that you got to be the person that goes on there and says fire every coach or whatever. There are people on the fan base that are going to do that. I'm not saying you've got to be these people that tweet at recruits telling them that are fans of the program, that tweet at recruits and tell them, oh, do you really want to come here? That's stupid. That makes no sense. But you need to look in the mirror and admit to yourself, that this is not the season that you thought that Carolina was going to have.
1: God yeah. Um
0: I mean even you, you thought this team was going 9 and 3. This is nowhere near how you thought they were going to get there.
1: No. This is um it's it's frankly it's disappointing. Because the issues that Carolina's is is having this year, the issues that they they've had in the last two years with bad losses, that's what got Larry Fedora fired, on, a, on top of many other things. But you hired a coach. You didn't hire a coach for a, a long-term rebuild. You hired Mac Brown to rebuild the program in a short fashion, to to set you up for long-term success with his successor. We thought after last year, we were on the right track. We were taking the right steps. Off the field, you are. The recruiting is still as good as it's going to get at Carolina you 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 know the season ticket stuff this, the money's being the money's there but now what matters is the results now it's about the winning because as he said after they lost to virginia tech you don't do this for fun and lose there's no losing there's no fun in losing if if you sat there and you enjoyed yourself for 3 hours the other day I need you to explain to me how. You, you might
0: be a Florida State fan. I'm going to be honest with you.
1: Because if you walked out of that stadium and you didn't think that was inexcusable and that's not acceptable, you're you're a bigger problem than than I am, than you are, than the people that are going to gripe and complain because that's not what we expected. So criticism is okay, and it should be expected, and it doesn't make you less of a Tar Heel to flush your frustrations about a football team that we believed was going to be really, really good.
0: Yeah, now look, here's the thing. You don't want to be like the guy that was in our section the other day that decided to take it out on his children. That was a little too far. I'm not, you, you shouldn't go that far. Direct your anger at the team. But yeah, I, I don't get the ultra positive mindset at all times. That's not. I don't know. You, you, there's times where you got to admit that things just aren't going right. And, and my biggest issue with th- with some of those people is that a lot of those people are the same people that during basketball season have no issue saying that they're frustrated because, well, we demand more excellence for basketball. You should demand excellence for football too. If you want this team to be a good football program and get into being one of those teams that year in and year out – is a competitor at least in the ACC, then you've got to demand more than what's happening right now. Um, let's you know we'll, we'll go through and we'll, we'll talk about all this stuff a little bit more here. First let's take a look at the box score. Um, you know Carolina in this game, believe it or not, Carolina outgained Florida State in this football game. 300 uh, or excuse me 432 yards of total offense for Carolina. 383 yards of total offense for Florida State. This is the scary part. Florida State on the ground, 238 yards rushing. This was a huge issue for them last year. Carolina allowed 241 yards in the game a year ago. Right around that again this year. And, you know, for Carolina, I mean, 229 yards on the ground. Again, it doesn't look that bad. The biggest issue, most of that yardage, again, your leading rusher was your quarterback, Sam Howell. So those stats continue to be flawed. That looks great on paper, but your quarterback, who is not known for being a mobile guy, this isn't a guy you run a lot of read option with normally before this season. He's your leading rusher once again. And, I mean, look, he still threw for 203 yards. Uh I mean, looking at some of the other stuff. I mean, first downs. uh, You know, Carolina ends up. uh, You know, a little relatively successful. Uh, The thing I think that was the worst for me. uh, We didn't really talk about it that much because, to be honest with you, it hadn't been much of an issue so far this year. Uh, The penalties were out of hand in this game. Twelve penalties for 110 yards for Carolina. Uh, That's simply got to be better. Uh, they they took a lot of in, uh, just uns, you know non smart not smart penalties. I mean he had what Josh Downs, two false starts. He uh, had a couple other guys that had false starts. A lot of holding penalties in this game that really hadn't been much of an issue so far this year. Although I guess avoiding you know Sam Howell being able to avoid taking those hits if it took a holding, I guess worth it.
1: Um, but
0: I mean just not a great overall performance from them in this one.
1: When you look at penalties, and this is it's, – it's true in the pros, but it's even more so in college. When you have that type of performance with that sheer amount of penalties, you had 12 of them, for 110 yards, and I said this standing beside you up there in Keenan, that's a sign of an undisciplined football team. And that is a – look, is, is it a player issue? Yes. Players got to be more disciplined. But you got to coach discipline. you got to teach discipline. There's got to be repercussions for making mistakes. Now, do they pull a couple guys? Sure they did. But once the once the infraction has already been committed, it's too late. You, you you drill that out of them in practice. And looking back on it now, and it's, it's probably should have been a red flag. But when Matt Brown made a statement in the preseason that they don't run their team at the end of practice because they – You you just don't run them for conditioning. That's for drop passes, false starts, lack of of communication, all those little things. That's why you run your team at the end of practice. You don't get rewarded for making mistakes. If you let it get away in practice, they're going to do it in the games, and it's going to cost you. And so even if Carolina would have played marginally better than they did, the penalties still would have taken any chance of them really competing to win this football game because of how many of them they had and that just shouldn't be happening in year 3. With the staff that has stayed relatively intact for those 3 years, you got back you returned all 10 starters on your de- or 10 starters on defense. You returned a lot of guys that have had roles on offense in previous years. It's not it's not a disciplined football team and that starts at the top with the coaching. Um the offense, look, you ran for 229 yards like you said. Most of that was on Sam Howell scrambling to not get sacked. The passing game has been what the passing game has been since the start of the season. It's Josh Downs, and it's nothing. You can get the ball to Josh Downs, but as as we talked a few weeks ago, you're going to see better defenses moving forward that will be able to minimize his damage. But also, when they put you, the guys in in those situations to make plays, those guys are going to make the plays against other defenses, and those guys like Emory Simmons and Antoine Green and those guys, they can't make plays for you. you no, no one's going to beat you. You're not going to beat a team in the ACC with one guy throwing the football, and one guy catching the football. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, I mean you
0: played the you you played the easiest defenses that you're going to play already. So, I, I can't stress that enough that the opponents only get better from here. Yep. So it's I I, I mean that's that's the thing we're remaining positive. It's going to be hard because you can see a legitimate case where they could lose every game but Wofford going
1: and down the stretch. As as for defensively, what's there, there's nothing new.
0: I mean, look, here's it's, the thing. They, it, I mean, you look at the stats and you would think that they, they really didn't play that bad. But there's two key stats that I think point out why Florida State won this game. First of all, they averaged 7.1 yards per play. That cannot happen. That is way too successful, especially for a team that simply ran the ball almost the entire game. They threw 13 passes the whole
1: game. The, from, the, from the start of the second quarter until the end of the ball game, Carolina never put Florida State in an uncomfortable situation in terms of down or distance. Never happened. Well,
0: well they don't know, No, and, and They did. They had a third and eight, and what happened? They ran that's for not, a
1: massive game. That's not uncomfortable when you're a, when you're able to run the football and you're you're moving dudes the way Florida State just said we're gonna line up and our offensive linemen are gonna move your defensive linemen wherever they don't want to go, and we're gonna run the ball down the throat. They One of the wants, worst lines in the country. They never statistically, wants, not even close. Deviated from their to game plan line. in the, from the second quarter on. Once Florida State settled in because it's been the same problem we've had in the road losses. It's a quick start. It's a fast start. You got a ten nothing lead. We're sitting there thinking this might be blowout city. It's gone, and the second well, no. Florida State responded. You, we don't have the we don't have the nutsack to fight Oof. back when another team fights back against us. We cave.
0: Well, here's the thing. Uh, I knew when they kicked the field goal on the first drive that it wasn't going to be an easy day. They in, in the games last year. When you got off the fast starts, and even back in in twenty nineteen, the first year under Mac Brown, when you got off the fast starts, you put the ball in the end zone in those types of situations. But it seemed like, well, I mean, and, and I, I mean, I, I that that's one of the first headlines here. I'll, I'll, I'll finish up. I mean, the the, the box score. I mean, there's really nothing else. I mean, in terms of individual stats. I mean, you can look, I mean, Sam Howell, 17 of 32, 203 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Josh Downs, I mean, (laughs) believe it or not, again, back-to-back weeks, he hasn't had his greatest performance. Still nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, In terms of rushing, as we mentioned, Howell, the leader on the ground, 11 carries, 108 yards, uh, and uh, did not find the end zone. Ty Chandler, 14 carries, 61 yards. Can't Honestly can't believe he carried the ball 14 times. It didn't seem like it. Uh, and DJ Jones, 11 carries for 60 yards. Not a bad day from him. Um, But again, I mean, the blocking, the the, the run blocking, not always great up front. It was very hit and miss. Still have to be a lot more consistent there. Leading tackler, Cedric Gray, 11 total tackles, uh, five of them solos. Cameron Kelly, nine total tackles in the game, uh, five solos. Jaquarius Conley, seven total tackles in the game, five solos for him. Carolina, after last week having five sacks and nine tackles for loss, this week no sacks and two tackles for loss in the entire game against one of the worst offensive lines in the ACC. And honestly, this offensive line, statistically for Florida State, may have been their worst offensive line that they have ever had, including the ones that they have had in the past. This offensive line this year was horrendous, and Carolina got pushed around by them. On their side of things, I mean, you know who the star was. It was very obvious if you were in the stadium Jordan Jordan Travis, 11 of 13, 145 yards, and three touchdowns. He made the throws when he needed to. You got to hand it to him, but he didn't really have much pressure on him. Their leading receiver, Keyshawn Helton, three catches for 71 yards. No one else had over 40 yards receiving in the game, but Ontario Wilson, who didn't do much coming into the game. Remember, none of their wide receivers had over 150 yards coming into this game. Uh, He had two catches for 38 yards and two touchdowns. And then on the ground, Jordan Travis, 14 carries, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Carolina, again, no solution for him. Uh, Second straight year uh, against a guy that's frankly just not all that great. Treshawn Ward, uh, 12 carries for 77 yards. And Ja'Shawn uh, Ja'Shawn Corbin, uh, 13 carries for 52 yards. And again, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought they ran for even more yards than that. It definitely seemed like they did. They had a ton of success. And, uh, I mean, look, th- this was a team that, honestly, I mean, they, look unpre- they-, they looked unprepared. And they weren't unprepared coming directly out of the gate. They led 10 nothing after the first quarter. This team looked unprepared for a team to fight back, very similar to what we saw in the game against Georgia Tech. This team looked like a team that thought when they scored, and through the first punch, that they they were facing teams that weren't going to respond. And when they did respond, they were shell shocked. They had no answer, and they got dominated the rest of the game. And I don't understand. To me, that's a that is all on coaching. I know that the players are you know you, you've got to be able to. I mean, you got to have some leaders that step up. And that's a whole separate issue. There are, that's something we got to talk about here as well is the fact that there don't look to be senior leaders on this team right now outside of Sam Howell, who's not even a senior. But it, I, to me, that there is so much that needs to be answered from the coaching staff on that, of how you had a team that was as bad as Florida State did come down on a drive to respond. And from that point on, when they made it 10-7, Carolina just pretty much looked like they had no idea how to stop this team.
1: You know what's what's even more baffling is after the Georgia Tech loss, uh, Mac Brown said that ABC is back. Anybody but Carolina, that was a big thing in the 80s and the 90s. First off, that's frankly not true. Um, on the football side of things, no one gives a crap if North Carolina wins football games or not. But if that were the case, wouldn't you be preparing your team for a fight because that team across the line of scrimmage is going to want to beat you as bad as anybody else. Right? You think. How do you make that comment and say, well, this is a big reason why. We're now getting circled on our schedule, which still is not true. But if it was true, wouldn't you be wouldn't you be, be preparing your team for such an intense, emotional, physical game? No. This was a simple fact that I, when we previewed the game, thought was going to be an issue, but some, thought something that we going would be able to respond and, and overcome because this game was at home. We knew going into the game that that game meant more to Florida State. It meant more in the now to Mike Norvell and his future as Florida State's head coach. You've got to not only match that intensity, you've got to exceed it. And what we're seeing – is they're not being prepared to exceed the emotion, to exceed the physicality. And as you mentioned, that's 100%. That's on coaching because you're supposed to put them in the best situation to win. And two times in the last three weeks, you haven't done that and you've gotten embarrassed. I mean, look, it's not all on Mac
0: Brown either. He shoulders a lot of the blame as he should, but this is a guy that we knew when he came here what was going to allow Mac Brown to have the most success. He is a CEO type of head coach. He needs his coordinators to be basically like head coaches on their sides of the football. I and I mean again, I'm probably I'm probably gonna catch a lot of flack for this. I don't think that the biggest issue by any stretch of the imagination is Phil Longo. I believe he's probably one of the smaller issues on this team right now. I don't know. Jay Bateman, completely different conversation
1: there. I don't know what Phil Longo is supposed to do because, as far as I know, you can't do anything successfully offensively. When you have the level of offensive line play Carolina has. I mean, look, the
0: only thing that I've seen that I could maybe understand people saying that needs to be done more often is to try to get the ball out quickly. But my thing about that is, is at this point, are we sure that guys are going to be able to even create separation that quickly off the line of scrimmage? I'm going to tell you right now, if they're playing bump and run coverage, they're not. They're not physical. These guys cannot handle physical corners, especially, and look, man, he was a standout in the spring, and he's a dude that I think could still have a role on this team. Justin Olson has no, no business playing on the outside. Nope. He is a guy that is a slot receiver trying to play on the outside, and look, it's not all his fault. It's the fact that they don't want to give some of these younger guys opportunities out there, which is blowing my damn mind. I have no idea how you look at what we're seeing right now and you say to yourself, we can't see Kobe Paceauer, J.J. Jones, some of these other guys. I mean, look, I haven't seen most of these guys on special teams. Maybe I'm just not watching close enough. I haven't seen those numbers out there playing on special teams. So what are you waiting? You have not used their reps up. Put them out there. Let's see what they've got. And at this point, I'm going to be honest with you, it may even be worth it even if you burn the red shirt because there are a lot of
1: battles that are going to take place in preseason next year that should start right now. When it comes to Jay Bateman, and I've brought this up in passing, and I'm now now convinced of this fact, that defense at Army – Looked really good because that defense was on the field for 20 to 25 minutes, and it was never it was never tired. It was never worn down. It was always fresh. It
0: never played the level of talent that it also faces in the ACC as well. Army he, schedule is usually
1: relatively easy. No he's offense. Not, he's not good enough to adjust week to week. He doesn't to, adjust much in game either. To, I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. And... Um to to be honest, I don't know how he is still employed as of recording. Maybe the conversation is these decisions will be made after the end of the season. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if the season comes and goes, and I don't care if Carolina finishes on a high note and they finish 7 and 5, hell 8 and 4. If there aren't changes made among this staff, there's no hope with this regime. This staff has proven you've got two and a half years worth of database. They're not the elite type of staff to get you where you want to get well, to. Well,
0: let's talk about some of those changes. really cool. We're going to bounce around here on, on some of these headlines. We'll get back to some of the other stuff here. But let's talk about those, really the two people that I think most people are talking about the most on this staff right now and asking what, you know, wh- if they should still be a part of this staff going forward. First of all, with Jay Bateman, I mean, my thing is, is, look, I think that there are some things that his defenses have done well. He has clearly been a part of why they have recruited the defensive side of the football well. There is no denying that. People want to play in his scheme, everything like that. Here's the problem, though. This is a guy that does not seem to, as you mentioned, make week-to-week adjustments. He does not seem to make many in-game adjustments, primarily against running quarterbacks. If he never had to face a running quarterback, he might be all right. He'd probably be a good defensive coordinator. He has been here for three years now, and he cannot figure out how to stop a running quarterback. And you can't figure out how to stop Jordan Travis. No offense, Jordan Travis is one of the worst quarterbacks that you are going to face this year in the ACC. Now that's look that he that means that he still got some talent. Clearly, he does. There's a reason that he is at Florida State. They still recruit at a high level, but if you look at the ACC hierarchy of quarterbacks, are you really trying to tell me that you think that Jordan Travis is anywhere inside the top twelve? I don't think so. I mean, am am I wrong here? You are. Who are the worst quarterbacks that you're going to... I mean, who's worse than him? Maybe Gunnar Holmberg? That's it. Nobody else on this schedule that you face is going to be... You're not going to face a quarterback that is having the types of struggles that the Florida State quarterbacks were having. And they didn't even need to go to Mackenzie Milton in this game because you got dominated by the guy who kicked your tail a year ago as well. So... To me, I mean, the fact that you can't make any adjustments, even you couldn't make an adjustment against a quarterback that did the same thing to you last year. I I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think that, I'm with you. At this point, I don't think that his philosophy is power five ready. I, I don't, you've got, you are a group of five coordinator,
1: and it's sorry, it's sorry to say. Oh, yeah, there's no, to, there's no defending that. There's no arguing that. There's no pushback on that. Um, you returned 10 of your starters from your defense that started the Orange Bowl. And as I mentioned when we lost the Orange Bowl to A&M, we felt encouraged despite giving up 41 points number 400 yards in that game. That's a problem. Well, the other problem is, is that some of the guys that you were feeling encouraged about in that game have completely
0: disappeared from your defense. Mainly guys like Eugene Asante. Yeah. So...
1: I, I think I think it I think it's got to start there. And people might think that this harsh and, and stuff like that. To become elite, you've got to make tough decisions.
0: Well, here's the other thing. Remember, we have talked about this so much off air, and we've brought it onto the podcast, I'm sure of it. Your window is very small here.
1: And it's getting smaller with this season.
0: Because Mac Brown doesn't have a lot of time. At this point, look. This season is a lost season. That you you cannot try to convince me that this is still a step in the right direction. They no. would they would have to win out and win their bowl game. And they, they would
1: have to do it rather convincingly. And they're not going to do that. This program has regressed. Yeah, I mean they've taken a step back, and it's just that simple. And now the the question is
0: now how much how much has it regressed, and how open is that window still under Mac Brown? Because again, we we talked about it after Georgia Tech. There is absolutely no guarantee that you are going to get a better head coach in your program's history than Mac Brown. So you are really looking at this as your best opportunity to do something. You want to put yourself in a position to make your job attractive enough to people that some of the guys that are at some of these middle-tier Power 5 jobs will think to themselves – that might be worth a jo- that that might be a job worth taking. That's the point that you're trying to get to. If you take that significant of a step back this year, will you be able to do that? And at this point, it looks like a big part of the reason why they will take that step back is because of their defensive coordinator, who I'm going to be honest with you. I've listened to his press conferences. He doesn't seem like a guy that likes to take a lot of the blame for himself. He seems like he wants to pass it off on a lot of other people or just act like, you know, we just got beat. We just got straight-up beat. Well, you've need to, you you've got to be able to adjust, especially to an opponent that did the same thing to you last year. The other guy that most people are questioning is still Stacy Searles. I don't see how he is going to keep his job moving forward after this season at the least. Was the offensive line as bad as they've been in some of the other games? No, but I told you this after the first drive. And he hasn't been great this season by any stretch of the imagination. You had your probably your best drive of the game on the first drive, moving the football down the field. What was the response on the offensive line? They take out, a Sim Richards who started at left tackle and run a new line, new offensive line out there. That is about as stupid as when we used to have under Larry Fedora back in 2014 where, hand, where you had Marquise Williams and Mitch Trubisky in a quarterback battle. One would go down and score, and you'd put the other one in. How do you, if you have that successful of a drive, I don't know, I, look, I'm not an offensive line expert, but if you're moving the ball as consistently as they were on that first drive, especially because they were running it with a lot of success there. How in the hell do you take out a starting lineman and put someone else in? I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm at a loss for words. I don't know. I sound like Stephen A. right now because I can't figure it out.
1: Uh, it's, it's bad coaching. It's bad um, evaluation. Um, I think we've got to question every coach's ability on this staff, their ability to evaluate talent. Um, it didn't make any sense. Um, he should have been fired after uh, the Georgia Tech loss. He, he He's not good. Every issue that, that was pushed back when the hire was made has came to fruition. He's not the type of offensive line coach that you need, especially in this offense, to – to be great, and I think we think of back to last year. You know why they ran the football so good last year? Because they had two special dudes running the football. Did, did the offensive line make holes? Yes, but those guys also made a lot of people miss, and they broke a lot of tackles. Um, there's no explanation to return your entire offensive line and to take the step back that they have had that they've had this year, and not blame it. On coaching, um, and those, and, and look, that's where it starts. It starts with Stacy Searles, and it starts with Jay Bateman. I don't know if it ends there, and and, and that's going to be the the hard decisions Mac Brown's going to have to make because you're you're using the next six games of your season. You're evaluating everything from the top to the bottom, from yourself to the very last walk on. On this football team, every assistant, every recruiting director, everybody, you're getting evaluated because this can't happen. I think we get, might get evaluated. Well, to be honest like. we are going to get evaluated, and, and so that's what it is. You want to be here next year? You got a six-game tryout. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another position that I,
0: I, I mean, and again, I, I think that because of the talent that's there, there is more hesitancy than with the other two because, I mean, like you said with Searles, we were kind of told about this when he came over from Miami. You look at the stats on that offensive line. They were not great. And what was the biggest issue that he had there? He would get the talent, which he's kind of doing here. He's not recruiting great, to be honest with you. That's the one area they could still recruit better. But he didn't develop that talent when he was at Miami. That's showing itself here at Carolina as well. The other position where right now that looks like that could be happening is on the defensive line, but I think it's twofold. I think there's two guys in this area that you have questions about, and that is Tim Cross on the defensive line right now because they just haven't really been all that consistent. I think with him, the reason that you're probably willing to give him a little bit more leeway and maybe another year is because a lot of the guys down there are young. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I think they need to rotate less. We have seen a lot of rotation. We were told in the offseason that that was going to be to try to keep guys more, more fresh and allow them to be more productive. Well, it's not happening. So some of your best guys, they need to be out there as often as they possibly can. I need to see Miles Murphy and Kamen Rucker as often as possible. I need to see more of Javari Ritzy. Those are the guys that you need to see up front because right now your veteran guys are not playing well. But I think that the other guy that deserves criticism there is Javon DeWitt. That's the guy who coaches the outside linebackers or the pass rushers in this situation. He's the guy that deserves some criticism here as well because Tamon Fox has taken a major step back. Chris Collins is the starter. He has been nearly non-existent. You do not hear him talked about really at all outside of last week's game against Duke and Des Evans has it's been a bust. Been I mean there is absolutely no production coming from him at this point in the season. Those that is an area where Carolina has got to get more consistency because they have tried to blitz more and it's still not it's not working as well as it did a year ago because you just don't have a guy like Chad Surratt who was just that good of a blitzing linebacker. You don't have that guy this year. And those one on one battles that we were told about that the edge rushers and the defensive linemen needed to win up front, it is simply not happening. And you wonder if part of that is because of coaching.
1: Yeah. Um I'm willing to see Tim Cross back next year. I do think he has earned the right to come back under a new defensive coordinator, but the expect, you know, you know when that happens, every year you're kind of coaching for your job. It's just it's part of it. It's just if you bring a new defensive coordinator but you keep a position coach, there's going to be a greater chance or not if something goes wrong on that defense, that position coach that was held over will be the first to let go. DeWitt now. No. Nope. Um, I mean, here's yeah. the thing about DeWitt. I, I would Des, say this. Dez Evans is, is a big disappointment could, as I've seen in the last five years. With
0: DeWitt, could you keep DeWitt on as, uh, with your special teams? Yes. Do, would you, do you need to find a new outside uh, linebacker or edge rusher coach or give those responsibilities over to Tim Cross? Yes. Yes. God, yes. No doubt in my mind at this point,
1: that's got to happen. So, and look, hopefully these discussions are being had or these thoughts are going through Mac Brown's head. I mean, they got to be. He'll never address it in the media because he's too pompous and he's too soft to, you know, he's not going to go Ryan Day and evaluate his coaching staff in the media like Ryan Day did. But if he's not having these thoughts and if this whole staff comes back next year, there's no point. There's no point i mean it's gonna be hard to be confident that this
0: team will be able to do much next year um if that's true i mean at the least i mean at the least you would think that you're gonna have a new offensive line coach and look there is no ill will towards these guys afterwards you have had plenty of coaches that have come and gone through all levels of football it happens. There's just times where you've got to admit to yourself, just like we were talking about earlier with admitting that the team is not as good as you thought they were, that there are sometimes you have to just look and say, these, these coaches are not coaching at the level that we need them to to do what we want to do. If this was under Larry Fedora, if this was like you said, if this was a slower rebuild, you could understand having more patience. You've got a coach that's 70 years old. You have, I mean, let's be realistic here. You've got maybe what, maybe seven more years at the max with him, like unless he is just somehow Bill Schneider. Bill Schneider was a once in a generation coach in terms of how long he had the fire and how the, the success that he was able to have. But even still, I mean, there were there were down moments for him as well. Yep. I don't think that you've got that with Mac Brown, especially with the way that Mac Brown coaches, especially with the way that Mac Brown recruits, the way that Mac Brown clearly cares at a, I mean, it's a different style that he has to coaching than Bill Schneider. Bill Schneider was a, a, an extremely reserved coach. You could see that when you watched him on the sidelines. He was a calming presence, but for Kansas State, it worked. He, Mac Brown's a different style of coach. You see how fiery he gets on the sidelines and everything like that. Admit to yourself that this is probably five to seven more years at the max of this. You have a small window, so these types of evaluations have to be made. And, and I, I hope that's what most people take this as. We are not railing on coaches and saying, look, they're terrible coaches, we could do a better job than them. We're not saying that. Clearly, these guys have resumes they have acumen they've been doing this for a long time but at this point Mac Brown's got enough connections and there are enough coaches out there where you could find guys that will give you a different look and hopefully would allow you to have more success because what you're doing right at the at the moment is not working um, you know another unit that's struggling and look I'm gonna say this right now I uh, that's it for for the coaches that I'm talking about here. Lonnie Galloway, we're going to talk about the wide receivers. Lonnie should not even be close to being mentioned in this conversation because this wide receiving core, I mean, you got to remember, look at what he's done with Josh Downs already Uh, and with what he was able to do with De'Ami Brown, with Daz Newsome turning them into much better football players than before they got there, especially with De'Ami Brown. Uh, The wide receivers outside of Josh Downs, though, this season, they continue to be underwhelming. They were not great the other day. Um, Emory Simmons was targeted seven times and caught only one of those targets. Now, some of those throws by Sam Howell weren't exactly great, but there were a couple that he definitely should have had. And I I believe, and I I think I got this wrong in the article, I thought that it was Choffrey Brown that was deep down the field on the interception. Apparently, that was Emory Simmons. I did not, I I don't know, uh, you were there, did you, I I thought that was Choffrey, but it could have been Emory down there. Um, That's another guy, though, Choffrey for sure. Either way, uh, I thought that was a terrible effort on the football down there. Uh, I thought that whoever the receiver was tried to get into position and then didn't make a play on the football, which made no sense to me, um, and Choffrey Brown, I mean, it's, it's tough. He is really struggling right now. You hate to say that he's a guy that you can't see a ton of going forward because of how athletic he is, because of the speed, but this is a guy right now that is really just struggling. You cannot have him be your guy on these downfield routes right now because he just cannot hold on to the football.
1: Yeah, I, uh, it doesn't matter what all he can do if he doesn't catch the football that's the first thing you got to do as a wide receiver um, and simply put he can't catch the ball that's that's out there that's that's facts because um, even when he's open he can't he can't catch um, I mean I, here's the thing his stats on the season pretty much show you this he
0: has one catch all year and what was that catch 75yard touchdown in the game against Georgia State so when he catches the ball he's electric but I mean are you is this a guy you got to try to hand him the football and get him jet no. sweeps just um, to try to get him the football to shouldn't play. he do?
1: You, you recruited, you brought in three wide receivers in this last recruiting hall. Uh, Kobe Paceauer, J.J. Jones, Gavin Blackwell. Still got Tylee Kraft who's on the bench as well. You, you brought in those three guys knowing that they are the future of your wide receiving core when... Emory Simmons, or not Emory Simmons, well, maybe Emory Simmons when he transfers. Josh Downs, Bo Corrales, and those guys move on. Well, Bo Corrales probably isn't coming back to play this year. Be really shocked if he does. Um, the future's now. These guys, Emory Simmons, um, Choffrey Brown, Olsen, they're not winning. They're not creating separation. Antoine Green. Antoine Green. Unfortunately. They, they aren't doing the job. It'd be different if they were doing the job, but X, Y, and Z caused them to not have success. No, they're not doing their job. I don't get how. In, a, in an offense where the route tree is pretty simple, it's not a complex route tree that Phil Longo asked out of his passing plays. I'm not telling you that. He told you that about his offense. How these guys... It's well known. It's well are, known by NFL scouts, too. It's it's a pretty simple offense. These guys that were all four-star receivers coming out, why are they not on the field? Why? You you mean you, you cannot justify not putting them out there and proving Look, to us that they don't deserve he, he, to be here's out there. The other,
0: here's the other thing. We are not saying that you don't see Emory Simmons, you don't see Antone Green, uh, you don't see... Justin Olsen, Chowford. We're not saying you should never see these guys again. We're saying that at some point, you've got to start rotating in these other guys because you're seeing the same guys get rotated back and forth and there's no results. At some point, try to throw somebody else out there. I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Like, we're seeing the same... Guys out there on the outside not be able to create separation. And look, I understand that people say they need to get the ball out quicker, try these some of these short routes. That's part of it, but here's the other thing. You have to be able to win and create separation on the deep routes in this offense. If you don't, this offense doesn't work. It's just that simple. That's his scheme. It's had how much success between Sam Houston State, Ole Miss, And now at Carolina, it has had a ton of success. Eventually, one of those guys is going to emerge. It took them a while; it took them a little bit in 2019, but Deami Brown became that guy. They need that guy to emerge right now. You've got to find that guy going forward because right, your offense is nowhere near as explosive as it needs to be you can't just rely on Josh Downs to make everything happen after the play. Is he going to make a lot of things happen after the play? Yes, but this guy can't do it all on his own. I mean, right now, you're watching an offense, and look, I'm not going to put this all on the, on the running backs because they're behind an offensive line that simply just isn't doing a great job to give them running lanes. I think the, 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 the running backs can be kind of left out of this conversation. Right now... The two guys that are leading this team pretty much by themselves on offense are Sam Howell and Josh Downs. Nobody else on on the offensive side of the ball is really doing all that much, and you cannot win like that. That's not sustainable. It's showing right now.
1: Yeah. And there's really nowhere else – there's really nothing else to say about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I had it on here.
0: I mean, losing, and I'll just say it here, and we've got, we, we've got to kind of move along here just a little bit, but losing Diami, Daz, Javante, Michael Carter, Chad Surratt, much bigger deals than we thought in the preseason. I mean, we thought, you thought there would definitely be some noticeable drop-off.
1: Just go ahead and say,
0: I was right, and you were wrong. I don't even think, can we count you right? You were partially right. I don't like I said earlier. I was more no, right than wrong. Nobody saw nobody saw this coming. You, nobody thought that this team was no. Here is the thing: no one thought that offensively, your offensive line would take this big of a step back. Nobody thought that you would not be able to find one receiver outside of Josh Downs to be able to do anything. I mean, you look at the group that they had there. You thought one of them would at least be able to produce somewhat, and defensively. I mean, you you thought the secondary would at least be one of the better ones in the ACC. That is nowhere near true right now. Now, part of that, again, is because of injuries. But at this point, I just don't know how you really can feel that sorry and use that as an excuse because that's a position group that has had so many injury issues over the last couple of years that at this point you just have to prepare depth-wise for that. Um, and, and, I mean, again, no, the, the, the lack of the pass rush that was there a year ago, all these things are culminating into the reason why this team is struggling. Um, really quickly, just two things that I wanted to touch on here that I noticed in the game. First of all, I thought that the coaching staff quit on the game. Um, yes. I didn't understand how when it's fourth and goal from the five-yard line. Um, now, granted, you had no business winning the game But here's the thing, there are plenty of games in the past that teams like Clemson, Georgia, even Alabama at times have had no business winning and still find a way to win the game. Not saying you would have won the game, but on that fourth and goal with 12 minutes to go, almost 13 minutes to go, all three timeouts, you had a chance to cut the lead to two possessions by kicking a field goal. You chose to go for it, didn't get it. To me, that shows that you quit on your team. Yes, You basically just said, Well, we're not winning this football game. You then drove down the field later on and scored a touchdown. And then you nearly got the onside kick, which I said in the stands, I'm glad they didn't get that because that would have drove me insane if they would have driven down and found a way to score and made it a three-point football game. I don't understand that thinking at all. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't know if they were asked about that. I haven't listened to the press conferences just yet because we are coming straight from work recording this. I really hope that question was asked in the postgame, and, and I really hope that uh, it, it was addressed again today because I don't understand that one at all. Uh, Mac Brown on, on uh, Saturday night as well, uh, and, and this one just really, hmm. th- this really just drove me nuts. Uh, basically blame the media for the reason that Carolina was 3-3 and um, in a roundabout way. I basically didn't say that that's the reason why they are 3-3, and but basically said that the media overhyped them and basically they should have known that about this football team. Here's my thing. First of all, you were a part of the media. You have talked about that so many times in the past. You have, I mean, that's been one of the biggest things that you have talked about as to why you're a better football coach, all this other stuff. How do you actually sit up there and criticize a group of your colleagues, some, a group that you used to be a part of and do these preseason predictions like that? That drives me insane. And the other thing is is you focus so much in the offseason, saying that there were huge expectations for this team at times last year, mainly with the Florida State game and Virginia game, and that the team struggled to handle those. You talked about the fact that you have been working to try to figure out a way for them to handle those expectations this season. Here's my thing. You need to take responsibility for the fact that you did not prepare them the way you needed to for these expectations. That's where the blame needs to lie, not with the media.
1: That's just my opinion. When I said earlier there's a lack of accountability – within this program, that only happens when there's not a lack of accountability with the head coach. Um, and look, maybe it's an unfair comparison. But do you think after a distraughtful loss like that, Roy Williams would have went up there and blamed the media for his team not being prepared? He would have blamed himself. Um...
0: I mean, look would He's, he would he have potentially had a rant about how preseason oh, polls are dumb?
1: Yes, yes, that probably would have slipped after in. After he blamed himself. <laughs> you, yes, exactly, you exactly. Can't, you can't justify blaming the media when it's your job to have them ready for the things that they believed you were going to be better from after last year. And you talked about it so you talked and, about it so much. It was every press conference. And, I mean, and. How much when you took the job, you knew you had to repair the image of Carolina football in the media because of some of the dumb stuff Larry Fedora went on record saying? That was a part of it. You had to play PR guy. Well, now you can't be pissed off at these guys who looked at your roster and said, hell, they've got a potential first-round quarterback. They've got a Tennessee transfer at running back. They've got four-star talent on both sides of the football. The ACC Coastal usually isn't very good. They're going to be a really good football team. And now that you're not a good football team, it's Joe Blow's fault, the fact that you suck? No, that's your fault. Good
0: good writer, good writer. Uh,
1: How the hell can you sit up there and not take responsibility but expect to hold other people responsible for their actions? You lose all credibility. Once you
0: do what he did on Saturday, night. I, I mean, look, he circled back around today and said that the blame was on them. But I'm going to be honest; I don't with give you, a damn. I don't. You can't say that in the in the, in the post game. Especially, my thing is, is look, even some other coaches may say that, but this is a guy that's talked so much about his time with the media. You were you were a guy that had to fill out those preseason ballots, like. And you're saying that? Mike, Come on. Mike, Mike Come on, Gundy man. Come on. Did,
1: did it best 14 years ago when he told the media to blame him because he's the coach. They're just kids. Blame the coach.
0: Yeah. That was definitely frustrating. Uh, Mac now says the goal is, is to make a bowl game. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that you should still have higher
1: expectations than that. And you expect people to buy season tickets, show up 30 minutes before kickoff you can you, you can't do that
0: so i mean i, I don't know I, I still think that there's there's i mean to, we're we're still going to go to games clearly um but i mean to to me is to make a bowl game i mean I, I guess looking at the back end of that schedule that's probably the thinking you're having but i i don't i don't know you, you would think that you would still want to probably try to get to 8 wins somehow uh that 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 would be the goal in that locker room but I don't know. That's that's what he said today in the press conference. You take that for what it's worth. I did ask this question quickly. We'll talk about this. Um, a lot of the people I know. A lot of the people tune into the podcast as well. Uh, this was. I was shocked at the amount of responses on this tweet. This has got to easily be my most responded to tweet uh, that I've ever had. Asking whether or not this was the most disappointing season in Tario football history. There were a lot of people that said yes. I would say the overwhelming majority agree that this is probably up there. I added some other submissions that came in. Uh, 95 was one that a lot of people talked about, which I, I think is pretty understandable. I think the reason why maybe you wouldn't put that one up there with this one is because the following two years you had as much success as you did. And, hey, let's hope that's what this ends up turning into. And with the talent that's still there, that that, that might allow you to do that. Um, but I, that, that was one that came in. 98, I mean, I get that a little bit, but again, you lost Mac Brown. You were moving. I mean, you just moved Carl Torbush into that head coaching job. We all knew that was going to be a significant drop-off. I mean, it, just going back. I mean, we, not we all knew. We were oh, extremely young. But if you just look back and, and look at the differences in coaches, it makes a lot of sense why they took that step back. And then one that you actually brought up although I don't think I would put it in this category, uh, is the 2014 season. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, you had that quarterback battle between Marquise Williams and... And uh, Mitch Trubisky, remember in the opener against, at that time, still an FCS Liberty team, Carolina struggled, had to basically, you know, uh, uh, an interception by Jeff Schottmer late in the game was one of the reasons that they won that game. That was also the San Diego State game, right, with the Tim Scott interception in the end zone. Yeah. There were a lot of different, Games that season where Carolina had a chance. Zero Dark Thursday was also uh, that season where Carolina had a chance at home against Miami. Should have won that game as well. That was another game you feel like they left out there. But I think it's very clear that this, uh, right now, at least I'll say this, during... The time that we've been following college college football and really Carolina football in depth, I would say without a doubt this is the most disappointing season for Carolina football, mainly based on the fact that expectations were so high this season and you're 3-3 three and three at this point.
1: Yeah, preseason top 10 football team, legitimate Heisman candidate at the time playing quarterback returned 10 starters from your bowl game, you added pieces on your offense where you thought you were able to at least keep up with what you've done the last two years, and you're 3-3 three three with road lo- a road loss at Georgia Tech and a home loss to Florida State, uh, that's pretty disappointing. Um, and to be honest, it should be, or we, we should agree with that sentiment because Mac Brown thinks that making a bowl game is now successful. So, yes. This will go down. Well, he didn't say making a
0: bowl game was successful. He said that that was the goal. Now,
1: so that I don't think that he'll that, be he'll be su- he'll be happy with making a bowl game. This uh, is a disappointing season. Oh, no doubt, it's the most disappointing season in Carolina football history. Given the coach, given the quarterback under Larry, wouldn't have been the same freakout.
0: I know there was another one. Okay, I will say that there was another one that was submitted. 2010, but I'm going to be honest with you. That team I think had no chance. Here, th- that that's the that's the problem. Is that it was it was it disappoint? I will say this: it feels disappointing in a different way because the disappointment started when you saw all the guys suspended. That was Is that a disappointing season? Oh, for sure, no doubt in my mind. That's a disappointing season because of what you could have been, but. Is that rivaling this by any stretch of the imagination? Negative. I don't believe. I I don't believe so. Um, at this point, the only thing that I will say is that look, this is not in dire straits because it looks like, for the most part, at least from everything we've seen, most of your recruits and the guys you are still recruiting are on board. That's when you will start to get concerned is when you see some of these guys starting to drop off. But as you mentioned, I think what this is is that this is not program falling apart. I saw someone call the program a dumpster fire. Uh, No, it's not anywhere near that point. But this is a lost opportunity. This is... This was a season where you had a chance to take another step forward and really put yourself in contention to be the biggest challenger to Clemson in the ACC. And, look, I still think you could be that. Why? Um, Because the rest of the ACC is absolute trash. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. I'm not ready to take the crown away from Clemson because, first of all, I'm not even sure that they they don't win the ACC still this year. I think that's still a possibility. You've got to – next year has to be a bounce-back year if you want to get to that point, though, under Mac Brown. And that's why this – so far this season, it is setting up for – the, the storylines next year are this is going to be the most pressure-filled football season maybe in Carolina football history. That's how you're going to have to look at that going into next year. We'll take a quick break, uh, hear from our uh, sponsor, DraftKings, and then we'll come back and give you our player of the game. We'll be back right after this to the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast after this message from DraftKings. Hey guys, Anthony here, and another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Guys, the last time there was a 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I would say that this opportunity is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings still won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code TPP and throw $1 down on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPP PN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for more details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so quickly, let's take a look at our player of the game. Uh, I went Roy Williams on this one. Uh, no one. Gonna be honest, uh, I, I hate it. Guy, a guy like DJ Jones, solid day. Guy that should see more time in that backfield. Um, Cedric Gray, eleven total tackles, showing some promise. But it doesn't matter. Got beat. The way that they played in this football game, you did not. As you mentioned, we gave Kamari Morales the player of the game down at Georgia Tech. That was a breakout like performance. I don't think that DJ Jones' performance met that. Standard. Um, so in this one, I got to go with no one. And I, I hate to do it. I hate to do it. it. It is very rare that we've had moments like this on this podcast. But right now, uh, this I, I think this team, and it, look, it doesn't really mean anything because most of the guys don't watch this podcast, nor should they. Uh, they. I would not want them to watch this podcast. They shouldn't really give a damn what my opinion is. The only opinions that they should care about are in their locker room. We didn't even get to talk about the leadership issues and everything like that that could be had. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when we preview the game against Miami. Really quickly before we get out of here, uh, one thing, one note from that game against Miami was announced today. Starting quarterback De'Ara King for the Hurricanes is out for the rest of the season. That was announced by their head coach, Manny Diaz. That means Tyler Van Dyke will be their starter against the Tar Heels. Uh, lucky, luckily, watched them a couple weeks ago with Van Dyke in there. I believe Van Dyke is not a mobile quarterback, so we may be all right in this one. <laughs> But we'll, we'll have to just wait and see. We'll, of course, have you covered with all that. We got you covered on the website right now with everything that you need recap-wise. Uh, we got the recap up there. We're going to have the stock report, the trench report, all that great stuff is going to be going up there for this game against Florida State. We'll give you guys uh, all of that uh, and, and, and react to this game and try to get you ready for that game against Miami. We'll, of course, have the preview where we give you team breakdowns, team stack comparisons, uh, we'll do, you know, the injury report. Uh, we'll have the projected starting lineups and keys to a Tar Heel win, as we always do. Uh, we're still going to be here with this team for the rest of the season as they look to potentially turn this thing around and keep things going. Uh, you know, in, in terms of building this program, uh, you know, podcast, uh, you can check out the Heel Top blog podcast and the uh, Roy's Boys, almost said it. It's the first time in a while that I've done that and the Four Corners podcast on any of your major podcast platforms, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all those major ones, you can check them out. You know all those websites uh, where you can get that and then, of course, the video editions of the podcast, the articles, the audio editions of the podcast, all that great stuff is is in one central location. It's the Facebook page. Like and follow the Facebook page. Go ahead and head over to Twitter as well. Follow us at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. And then check out our personal accounts at HTBAnthony for me, at HTBJosh for Josh, and at HackZubber2 for Zach Hubbard. We did get an announcement date the other day as well. One last little thing to sneak in here when it comes to Zach Hubbard. Did get an announcement the other day from Zach Rice that he will announce his commitment on October 21st. So we are going to be hitting Zach up here very soon. That is definitely going to be one that we are going to try try to get a preview in for and also a recap afterwards kind of breaking down whether he commits to the Tar Heels or he doesn't commit to the Tar Heels uh, and that will of course uh, be October 21st uh, coming up uh, in 10 days from now so that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast I want to thank Josh for hosting with me I want to thank you guys for watching and listening and as always go Tar Heels!